Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Project Sports. My name's Tim Doyle, and on this week's episode, we're going to do a Project's Life episode where I typically have a guest on the show talking about either life or something they're going through, maybe an entrepreneurial job or business that they might be running. And in this case, just a family friend who has been a major influence on my life. His name is Douglas Fahey. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Tim. What's going on, bud? Not man. Not much. Not much. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for for doing this. Uh, I think this is long overdue. I've had this podcast since last fall. I started it up on my own. Uh, Project Sports, and then I came up with this idea, and I was like, hey, let's do this Project Life segment where I've had Catherine on, I've had my brother, different people on the show talking about life and not just things outside of sports. I mean, we're both from the Boston area. We know who you like for sports athletes around here. (laughs) We don't really have a choice. It's just the culture we grew up in. That's right. (laughs) You and I definitely had an amazing upbringing as far as the culture that I think that you and I and some others built around us as far as... As far as just, you know, just, uh, you know, being family and friends and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to get into some random topics. Sorry if you, uh, you know, you're completely into sports. You don't want to listen to this one. <laughs> listen to it anyway. But we're, we're going to talk some nerd stuff and we're going to oh, have yeah. a blast. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, we can we can start with the Genesis. I mean, we got to start there. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Tolkien. Oh, the so reason good. The reason I exist, I wear the one ring on my hand. <laughs> And it's all because of this great gentleman named Doug Fahey. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Let's give it to him. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I think, what was it? The I can't remember what year the cartoon came out, but that was the first one yeah. I saw at your house with you and Matthew um, yes. when we were growing up. And it just, it sprawled from there once the Peter Jackson films came out. Oh, think, yeah. It was like a dream come true. It was. It, and I was not prepared for how much I was about to fall in love with Lord of the Rings in general. And Oh, yeah. It, you know, just to, for, for, to frame a reference, when, I, you know, me and Matthew would watch these movies or, like, get into it, Doug would take it to a whole new level. He has a very creative <laughs> mind. He, he, would, he, he would either scare us or just make us love it more. And Oh, yeah. It's such, such a great vibe. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about some characters that are our favorite, maybe why they got influence on us in our lives and how that's developed. I know it sounds super super nerdy. That's so it is super, super nerdy. nerdy, but it's the truth and things that we like. Who, if you gun to head, who is your favorite character from Lord of the Rings? It's Theoden, the king of the king of Rohan. King of Rohan. That's there. It's weird. There's a lot of hit and miss with King Theoden. People either love him or hate him. They think he. I don't know why. I don't know why they hate him. He's yeah, the best. I I think when he comes in in the movie. Uh, series he's he's more projected looking at him as like a character who lost his way and was controlled by someone else so immediately people like, absolutely push off him. and yeah. and i think that is like that's you know that's real that's life you know sometimes people go through things and they have to overcome and you have to have a saving grace and gandalf to you know come rescue you and then you show your true character and what is the one moment that we love the most with him is it, when he charges in the battlefield screaming death it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right second favorite moment <laughs> Oh, you mean when he breaks him free? That is that he actually, you know, answers the call to Gondor. And oh, yes, that's dis- right. Despite all the animosity between both kingdoms and what Gondor thought of Rohan, I mean, that's pretty monumental. I mean, it's just, it's pretty cool stuff. 
Yeah. Once the rubber hit the road, he was ready to go. You know? Exactly. All that animosity faded. But my favorite thing about him is that he was broken. He was compromised, just like everybody else. But he was able to come out of it. Yeah, Gandalf came and helped him, for sure. But his full character arc was an old man who had lost his son, failing kingdom. He's got nothing going on. And then at the end of the movie, he or not the end of the movie, at the, the Battle of Gondor, he comes in and saves the day, you know, with yeah. whatever he can muster. Yep. I love that whole scene. I love that whole arc in the, the story. He doesn't skip a beat. Aragorn comes to him, says what he says. He answers the call. Gondor calls for aid. Gondor calls for aid. <laughs> Great line. One of the greatest lines in all cinematic history. And Rohan will answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the way I see Lord of the Rings is I was a kid. I didn't know anything about the Lord of the Rings. And this cartoon came on TV. And it was just so crazy. It was, uh, they had Gollum. Anyone who's seen the old cartoon knows it's it's terrifying. I watched, I think it was the first one was The Hobbit. But then they did the rest of them. Um, and after that, I was talking to my cousin about it, this girl. And she showed me the books. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are books. And at the time, you know, I used to read a lot. So I went through all of them. And I remember showing you the cartoon and telling you about it. And it must have been a year or two later, they announced the movies. Mm. I never would have thought they would have done something like that. No. And honestly, every Christmas thereafter was the best because that's when they premiered every Christmas. And Oh, that's right. And Ret Return of the King was <laughs> oh, the most anticipated so movie. I've still have never, nothing has ever really matched that feeling. I think the closest was probably Endgame, but it still didn't hit the way right, no, that no. Return of the King did. I mean, the anticipation of like seeing some of the stills before the movie came out. or That one was... battle in Endgame when everyone showed up. Yeah, that moment was exciting. But it was. It was. That was, I feel like, all of the Lord of the Rings was those moments, yeah. you know? <laughs> had like five or six of those and, and <laughs> won 11, 11 Academy Awards most of all time. Return Do you remember that Lord of the Rings video game? I don't know, was it the Two Towers or... There was like a, one that came out for the PlayStation. Yeah, it was. All, it, they had all three, and they were separate. Like you could be one of the characters, and then you could run around yeah. and fight people. Uh, That's right. One of the best it was PlayStation Two had it. That's what it was. Three. PlayStation Two, so yeah, good. I remember playing that game in your basement with Jerry on a projector screen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And on a Sunday night, you'd have like you know a house party, and your parents would have a bunch of people over, and all the kids would be in the basement watching one person play Lord of the Rings in the basement <laughs> yeah, on a projector right. screen. <laughs> it was amazing though, and then we started playing Lord of the Rings Risk too. Yes, yes, which heightened also. things a bit for all of us. Because yeah, it, it made it a little bit more personal. It did, because we all had our preferences of what areas of the region that we liked and of Middle Earth itself. But then the Risk games in general, I uh, I mean, we could just tell some Risk stories, too. I mean, with uh, the the classic one we tell every time we're together, I'm pretty sure, is the one where, was it me, Matthew, Margaret, and uh, Jerry, and yourself, we, we played. And we took a break, and none of us trusted each other, so we pulled out... Yeah, one of those old cameras that had like the flash, like it was like the, the first digital cameras, cameras, the digital yeah. cameras that actually like <laughs> took pictures of it. And we took pictures of the game board at like three in the morning. And <laughs> That's no one, right. No one trusted each other of how, of course, into the game. And we were all willing to cheat. I mean, that's the thing. We're all real with each other. We're all oh, willing yeah. to put pieces on the board when no one was looking. So we had if to. Take yeah. If you don't see it, too bad for you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I still don't trust you in Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't trust me. Either. I wouldn't trust you. Yeah, I wouldn't trust myself either. Oh yeah. Woo. I know. I don't have to ask you, gun to head, who your favorite character is. 
out of Lord of the Rings. No, you don't. You already know the answer. And that's yeah, Legolas. Undoubtedly Legolas. I mean, it's <laughs> someone with that skill with the bow is just tantalizing, and I just really enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. It's He's always been my favorite character in his uh, elegance in his presence of like who he is and how he stays so calm and just is pretty much a badass through the entire oh, yeah. series. It's it's uh he, he's a, he's a really good character. He's de- definitely not one of the characters I would say like oh hey he made a, a monumental impact on. Well, actually, you know I can't say that because now I'm thinking of Gimli and him and his their their friendship. That's right. And how it changed. Uh, exactly. Many people I'm sure had an influence on their life reading about that character or watching it in the films. And yeah, it's actually a great picture for the modern day today or, you know, problems with racism or, or different things like that. Oh, absolutely. Legolas and Gimli come from two different races that genuinely hated each other and they were forced to yeah. go side by side and fight with each other. At first it was out of, uh, out of spite to make sure one of the other characters didn't get, you know, the ring or into the hands yeah, of the Yeah, to show race. that, yeah, the dwarves aren't going to be left out of this quest. The elves aren't this quest yeah but there was no love there's no love there but i mean the ultimate friendship story in the entire thing is sam and frodo which i mean everyone who watches the films or reads the books you're everyone is drawn to those two characters of how you know friendship should be and you know even you though you go through tough times as sam always pictures that you know you always are resilient and like the true resiliency of it so it's a it's a beautiful piece of artwork i think that Lots of people, if you haven't explored the Lord of the Rings, go for it. I wonder if J.R. Tolkien too, like being being in the being in the military and like experiencing kind of that that bond of brotherhood. Mm. He expresses that in his story between Frodo and Sam, Merry and Pippin, uh, Legolas and Gimli, all these different characters that have these relationships. Exactly. That, you know, they're so tight and so strong. It must have. It had to have. I mean, I mean. I I wonder even if it had an influence on both of us wanting to join the military in general for that kinship oh. and that that brotherhood of what we absolutely through. we've both experienced experienced it while joining the military. So yeah, him going through World War One, losing Tolkien, lost one of his closest friends uh, in in battle, and I mean that's that's a lot. And to come out on the other side and, and write stories about it, that's amazing. And then write an epic tale that will last oh yeah a lifetime Forever. and is influencing the modern age still today. With Amazon purchasing the rights to the Tolkien franchise and making yeah. a show, and was the famous quote from the article uh, with Jeff Bezos said, "Bring me, bring me Game of Thrones." <laughs> <laughs> Seems slamming on the table with the Lord of the Rings right. <laughs> signing off. On it. Bring me Game of oh, Thrones. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Obviously, and now they're making the anime too, the new of, of Helm Hammerhand. Yeah. Oh. That's beautiful. I would be amazing too. I, I do follow this. This is going to sound so bad. I, I follow this YouTube page called Nerd of the Rings, and they have a whole video on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, me too. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, and that is bad. It's, it's embarrassing for both of us. It is, but that's our life. <laughs> we, don't, we don't, you know, that's just what we're into. So we roll. And I can't wait to watch it with my children. I tried to watch it, but I didn't realize how scary it was <laughs> until I watched it with kids. It was immediately terrifying. Yeah, it's it's a lot more. In your face than you think it is. <laughs> my, my girls would be mortified for sure. I, oh, yeah. No, they're not ready for it. No, no, no. It's going to be down the road. I don't even know if they'll ever be. Hopefully they will. My son, hopefully he's ready for it. But He's definitely going to love it. You can show it to him now. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Toughen him up. So, I mean, I, you know, through through video games and Tolkien and um, through the years, I think our, the influence of our relationship has really grown through, you know, 
from when we were young and playing video games too, you know, a lot of people, there's still like a lot of bad rap around video games. It's, it's coming to light with <clears> actually kids making money off of it. But when we were yeah, young, exactly. like, the good influence and the storytelling they tell um, and kind of the things you can do with friends while playing video games as far as like creating stuff in a world. I remember when we were younger, we'd play a game, a split screen game, and then you would come up with some funny thing for me and Matthew to do. And then we yes. would do it. You know, like, it, and it'd be like, all right, here's the game with inside the game that they, you know, and, and it makes it fun. Use your imagination. It's all what you put into it. And you get good with technology and computers and gaming and stuff like that. So it is a very helpful thing for anyone who is completely against that kind of stuff. It is very helpful. And it well, you know, that was the old, that was the old generation. Anytime something new comes in, everyone's so afraid of it. They're afraid to change. And they just start assigning all this like malice to it. But Look at us. We all played video games, and now I play with my kids. There's nothing wrong with it. No. And you know what? A lot of our relationship is built around that. that people might not know, but you were over my house all the time. Mm-hmm. Sleepover, and then stay the next day and do another sleepover. And our time was filled with, like, you know, dorky stuff. Video games, comic books, Lord of the Rings, and board did, games, stuff like that. And what did that bring us to? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, right. well, what was I? I'm trying to remember what age I was when we made that movie. But I mean, yes. that was like the creativity <laughs> just rolled out everywhere in all different directions. And I think it started with uh, me and Matthew and we were building weapons in the backyard. And then it turned yes. into one kid coming over the house. And then like there was 15 to 20 kids in our the back- whole neighborhood showed up, showed yep. up into your backyard and. Well, the next thing you know, you got Doug, the director over there, motioning everyone to positions. And we got the uh, the old camcorder from the early 2000s recording a movie that. Yeah. And I, I'd be screaming cut and then pulling actors aside about eight years old and screaming at them. <laughs> Remember your line. That's not your line. How much money is this much money? <laughs> yeah, my porn sister. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I mean, the most classic thing that ever happened was there was a. You made this kid stand on a chair, and he had a stick <laughs> above his head. And, and as he raised the stick, he was supposed to say "hubba hubba hubba" or something like that. It was from like oh, a movie. Oh, that's right. But as he did it, he farted really loud, and everyone was dying laughing. But then, you know, it it was so corny and, and goofy and fun. And then we'd go into the house, and then your sister would play on a replay, and we would just laugh over and over. Oh, and exactly. And you know what? The adults came over and watched it. Everyone loved it. Yeah, everyone loved it. It was great. And then John and uh, Mike came over, saw it, immediately <laughs> looked at us and said, when are we making our film? <laughs> yeah, making a new film. And we did. <laughs> and we and did. you know what's funny? In the town I live in now, there's a Cumberlands, and I went in there. The manager of the Cumberlands is one of the kids that was in that movie. No way. New do you remember New Kid Mike? New Kid Mike. Oh, my gosh. It's such yeah, a towny been... thing, man. The kid, <laughs> yeah, kid moved in, and it was like he was in the neighborhood for like five or six years. He was still oh, called yeah. New Kid Mike. New, yeah, even when I saw him, I said, hey, New Kid Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like, I was just an outsider, and I got more respect than that, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you weren't an outsider. We, we considered you inner circle. Yeah, for sure. Even though you didn't live there. It's just funny. You know, <laughs> Well, the, the reason why the new kid Mike is there was like three Mikes in the neighborhood, so we had to give him right, some sort exactly. of name. So it's only fair. It's only fair that way, and he probably has no idea we're talking about him on a podcast. Hilarious. <laughs> Apparently, I found out years later he hated that name. No, oh, I'm sure. But I still, I, I would hate it. You know, to be honest though, he should be honored that he even hung out with us and, and played. Like, yeah, he, he should have. Well, he was a new kid. He should have been getting beat up. I know, right? 
And we were nice to him, sort of. We were nice to him. I still call him the kid, Mike. I think I think he'll he must like it a little bit. He go. It's a. Let's say it's just part of part of you know a tribalism in, in family and, and you know, incorporating <laughs> right. people. So it's 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 always fun. But uh, I, what was this? So Mike and John came over. We made that second movie. That's and right. At your house, the first. I want to see because we made two of them. <laughs> but the first well, that's, one. The first that's when I threw that house. giant thing at Michael. Yeah, we made this big sledgehammer-looking stick thing. <laughs> oh, well, I did not because I was incapable no, of I'm, making yeah, any I weaponry. I was incapable. A giant warhammer. A giant warhammer, and I think I was recording because you and Mike were in a fight. Was it was yes. it Mike or John? It was Mike and it was it was kind of all of us, but me and Mike were kind of going off to the oh, side. That's right, that's right. And yeah. we passed it. Ben was recording. I remember now. That's ben, what it was. Ben was yeah, recording. Ben. Uh, that's uh, Doug's cousin, and Ben was recording, and <laughs> we're all we act out this whole scene like it was pretty epic. Like we choreographed <laughs> great. the entire yeah, thing. It was, we had it like was really well done. Five or six fighters. Everyone had a death part. And it was all shot in one thing. We went through it once. And then the second one, it went really well the first time. But then Doug, on the last part, told Mike, hey, I'm going to swing this big sledgehammer thing at you. Just be prepared, duck, whatever. Something went horribly wrong. He hit, I think he hit me with a stick on my leg, and I got mad. <laughs> all, these years, I thought it, all these years, I thought it was just a mistake. <laughs> I could have been. I might have just gotten mad for no reason and thrown it at him. It happens. It but happens. I'm pretty sure he hit me on the leg, and he started running away from me. And without even thinking, I just threw this thing like a boomerang, and it connected pretty perfectly on him. I'm surprised he survived it, really. Yeah. to be, I mean, He's a tough cookie. He's always, always He is a been. tough cookie. But, um, yeah, that was, that was hilarious. We watched that one back a bunch as well. And then <laughs> and then we we stepped up our game. What was it? It might have been like a year later. We were all at the Massey's house, and then the Massey's house. Yeah, and we were we filmed another one, and that one was crazy. Like, yeah, that was a little music. bit more. We had yep. music. We painted. Uh, I remember we painted Ben's abs in with like paint. Oh yeah, that's remember right. that with the he wore the bear suit. They found that's one of the right. one of the kids' bears, and they ripped it up and made a suit out of it, and put and it him on his and body. Mike. Him and Mike fought in that one, too. Mike got into it with him, too. Well, not really fighting, but... I mean, they were really fighting, but it was for the movie. Yeah, it was for the movie. <laughs> it was probably personal, but, you know... Yeah, right. Who knows? But, yeah, hilarious <laughs> stuff. I, the, the music at the end, I forget, was the ballroom dance was one of the songs oh, by Queen. Oh, that's it, right. It was so good. That film is hilarious. There was a lot, of, a lot of people... I don't even remember some of the people who were actually there, but I, I remember it was me, you, Ben, Doug, John and Mike, and Matthew. Yeah. But, of course. Uh, now is the time we went into the woods and uh, yep. Mike Mike sniffed the, the Mike sniffed the poop and John shot the BB <laughs> gun at the poop and went all in his face. <laughs> yeah, wait. What people have to know about the Massey brothers is that if you think you know people who are crazy, these guys always take it to the next level. Mm. Yeah, John convinced Michael that we were going to hunt and he had to sniff some poop that we found to kind of figure out where he was going and when he was sniffing it. John shot the poop with the BB gun and exploded all of it into Michael's face. Yeah. I just don't know how he falls for it so many times. Just, <laughs> every single time. It was like yeah. the time he came home one time we were, me and Mike were out uh, riding the quad. That was John's quad, not his. Yes. Yep. And he convinced that, well, John like looked at him and smiled. He's like, oh, you took the quad out? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, you had a blast. And he's like, oh, yeah, come here. And he like came closer <laughs> oh, to yeah. him. And, then oh, he, yeah. and that was John had a broken leg. 
And then he just punched him. He <laughs> started beating the crap out of him. He's like, don't ever do that again. And just go crazy. Hilarious. Yeah, they were ruthless. Uh, Michael ended up shooting John in the eye with a BB gun. He yeah. put a hole through Mike John's eyes, so I think they got even in the end. Yeah, I wasn't there for that one. That was from the top. Me either. Second floor, I know the story was the second floor of the house aimed down towards <laughs> the driveway that was about 100 yards away, hit him right in the eye. I mean, yeah, I bet you, you couldn't so get Mike bad. to shoot that accurately. It's so, oh, never. Never, but when it comes to revenge came, with the Matthews, I came home absolutely. from the Air Force, and I was talking to John, and I was looking at him. I said, what's wrong with you? What's something's different about you? Mm. And he looks at me and he goes, Michael shot me in the eye with a big <laughs> <laughs> And he had a big hole in the, in the, in the part of his eye. Oh but he's fine. Gosh. He can he can still see and everything from what I from what he tells me. So, yeah, good to go. Good to go. All right. Let's... So anyone who thinks their kids will shoot their eyes out with a BB gun, they're wrong. They're, yeah. Because it can hit just above your, <laughs> whatever you call it, the cornea. <laughs> And it will, it will make another little black mark on your eye, and you'll be completely fine. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll survive. <laughs> you'll survive it. We, we have proof of it. I've seen it my entire life now. Just every time I see John, I'm like, oh, <laughs> he got hit in the eye with a BB gun. Uh, oh, no. Wait a second. We're underselling it. That was a pellet gun. A pellet I, gun, right. I remember the gun. It was a pellet gun. Which is way worse, to be honest. So, Well, I think we're saying BB gun for a lot of these, but I think it is pellet gun for all of these. Yeah, because it was like a snap one, right? Like you bend it Yeah, down. it was an expensive one. It was, it was a couple hundred one. bucks, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really nice one. So it had a lot of accuracy. That's probably why it was usually able to hit that far away. Oh, was, yeah, for sure. It was about 100 sure. yards, so. I don't blame him, though, for shooting his brother. No, I don't either. What he's been through, yeah, I think it was, I think it was called for. <laughs> it was a justified <laughs> shot. <laughs> just hopefully this doesn't get back to john yeah no right it's the first thing i'm gonna do when we're done wrapping up here I'm send it right to john send it over Say, yeah john, fast take track take a load of this <laughs> <laughs> no it was good but uh uh i guess i guess we can talk a little bit about ireland now i know that was on your on your list of things that we needed to get to because ireland is definitely an influence on our life as well i mean uh yeah something a part of us that uh that we both look back to. Obviously, you were born there. You came to America. How old were you when you when you moved to America? I was four when I came four over. Four years old. So, yeah, you, you've you visited multiple times in family, and I've oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it pains my heart because I lived in England for three years, and I visited like so many countries, and I planned an entire trip to Ireland, but obviously due to COVID, I wasn't unable COVID. to go there. But uh, definitely has a place in our hearts that. Well, you know, there's enough. There's and, enough. Irish people in New England to make it feel like it (laughs) exactly and I think that's why our families were so strongly tight-knit I mean as soon as like you have Irish brethren you're just like hey what's up yeah (laughs) you know I I think every culture has that but it's just there's we we know we know the Irish side of it you know um especially Irish is very working class very family oriented and you meet other people who we care about family we care about you know working hard and, and supporting mm. one another. And so it kind of like, it, it starts to feed into itself. Communities grow real fast. Exactly. A lot of it's just built on family and happiness and trying to look out. Because even people who aren't Irish, I mean, for us, it's like, oh, we're trying to involve everyone. We're Oh, yeah, a, absolutely. A outward culture, deal with our struggle on the inside and, and the outside in everyday life. We're looking to incorporate everyone. And I think it's just our culture. We, I mean, the old, uh, the, the Irish, uh, what do you call it? I meant like hospitality of people coming in or your mom making tea or just like family like oriented like you had you yeah. had mentioned it's it's really powerful and strong and then you know just hearing the stories of Ireland and 
the just getting that connection of like even just seeing photos, talking to family and stuff like that. It's 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 really powerful. And then coming to America, obviously, like you said, there's so many different festivals you can go to, people that you can meet that are Irish and uh, all very similar in, by nature, and uh, just a great, fun-loving environment. So um, I know it's funny. We're we're all over the world now too. You know, yeah, the tiny little island, and now our people are everywhere. Yeah, one of my favorite favorite songs that I've been listening to is called. Uh, uh, Irish pub song, and it's by, yeah. by the High Kings, and it's it literally talks about the, the the entire song's premise is pretty much based on um, pubs around the world and in Ireland, all over from Sydney to Canada to South America to Europe, and it's so cool. It's such a great, fun, loving song, and but it's true, you can walk anywhere in the world and find an Irish pub on any street corner. Actually, when I was in Germany and I was walking down the street, um, <laughs> probably about one or two in the morning. Uh, right before I went to Africa, we're out with the boys, you know, having a drink and I walked by and there's the snug, the same font and everything about the Hingham, the Hingham snug. <laughs> it's, yeah. I took a picture of it. I have it on my phone. I'll send it to you. But the, the same exact font and everything, the snug. I was like, that's the same Irish pub that's in the local town near my, near my, my house where I live. And my buddy was like, really? That's crazy. I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, that's wild. I mean, there's always an Irish pub everywhere, but even to the, you know, there's, the there's something name, about so cool. Irish people love to host. They love to have people over and they love to gather people around around food or drink and just joke and laugh. That mm. seems to be the like a pastime. I'm sure everyone has that in their culture. But when I went to visit Ireland one of the last times, I remember I was walking around this little town where my uncle lived and I was bumping into people. They were so friendly. They wanted to invite me into their home. They were saying, let's meet up at the pub later. And then when I went to the pub, everybody was there. And they just, all they wanted to do was get to know one another and joke and laugh and kind of, I don't know, be merry. I know other cultures have it, but it just, with, with, with Irish people, it just seems to be something we specialize in, mm, you know? For sure. Gathering together and, and just joking having, around. Joking around, having a good time. So I... From my years and learning about Ireland, I've always obviously had a place for Galway in my heart. And then through stories from you and your mom and meeting your mom, uh, Cork is definitely a place I need to go to, you know, oh, yeah. before before the uh, the end of all things, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's it, those two places. I, I've been steered away from Dublin. I still want to stay. I still want to see Dublin. I, I definitely should should go there for sure. It's the capital. I know it's I'm sure it would commercialized, be great. But nothing. I, I've talked to actually when I was in England. I talked to a, a guy named Nick. He's he's a Brit, and he he married a, an Irish girl, and um, they go to Ireland uh, all the time. And they their favorite is Galway. And there's an island off the coast of Galway, off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of the island, but I actually found out that some of uh, my family members were actually from that island. But that's where oh, they that's supposedly awesome. had some of the best oysters and fish and food. Oh, I like believe it. Seafood like. Bar none. I'm sure Maine probably comes pretty close, Maine and and America. But I would that would be a place I'd love to go. And then knowing that like some of my ancestry is from there, I mean that's pretty wild. And I think that's really cool. So some of your well, what's funny is your father took that DNA test, and even though my family's from Ireland, no one in my family is 100% Irish. But your dad, whose family has lived here for generations, is 100% Irish. Yeah. And you know what I Which think is it crazy. is? You know what I think it is? Because his the family line goes back to the potato Inbreeding. 
Oh, something else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Besides inbreeding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that goes without saying with Irish people. Well, what else is it? <laughs> you know, what else is it? You know, what else could it be? Uh, besides inbreeding. I mean, uh, it's... <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's great. It's good stuff. Uh... But besides that, I mean, they, they, they came around 1860s. So that was right around the potato famine. Uh, yeah. They sent his, which is a John Doyle, which is his four times great grandfather who came over on a, on a boat as you know a young young lad and yeah pretty Crazy. much i mean that's probably why because i think the people in that generation that lived there didn't have a lot of intermingling people who came from outside the country whether it be from welsh like, yeah they weren't well like they your weren't mom, welcome your mom had some welsh background and scottish yeah that's right there was the less transportation back in the 1800s and more people were there. So I'm guessing that's oh, probably the other reason point. why. So both sides of the family too, like the Kane and um, the Kane side, and then also the Costello side were natively to that region as well. Their, their family roots go deep as far as from my uh, research on, on all of it. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. But you, I mean, your father's pr- pretty deeply rooted. I think his side is probably more deeply rooted because I mean, your mom's got the Welsh, which, you know, but I wonder, you said you guys had some Viking in you as well, right? Some Nordic. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it, it, it's like a 1%, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You see it up there in Norway and everything. And I like to think that means I am Viking, but what it mostly means is the Vikings came in and did some pretty awful stuff to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got a little bit left over. Yeah, yeah. You got a little bit of, yeah, some little specimen. <laughs> a little there. something there. Yeah, a little something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the stories from that time period are, are really crazy. I mean, which brings us into one of the topics we wanted to get into is like ancient history or lost history, stuff like that. But oh yeah, the time periods of like sieges and in, in um in the United Kingdom in general. I mean, some of the stories when you read them are just they're wild. Like the whole cliche of like a fortnight. Um, it's like a, a, an army surrounding your entire castle and pretty much not letting you get resources to help your entire civilization like yeah prosper. try and starve you out yeah that's, that's pretty crazy. rough you know i know you're enjoying the episode but unfortunately i had to break this up into two different parts so you can go listen to clam aliens and hobbits part two in the next episode that i uploaded simultaneously with this one i'm not going to pay more money to have a bigger larger file on the podcast so just click play on the next one for me thanks enjoy <laughs>